Hello, and thank you for joining this Form 3 Powering Payments podcast in partnership with UK Finance. Following on from our prior podcast on ISO 20022, we are now going to turn the spotlight on real-time account-to-account payments. So in a moment, we're going to explore what they are, the kinds of use cases they enable, why they matter, and finally, we'll take a look ahead at how the market is evolving. But before we do that, I'd like to ask my co-host from UK Finance to introduce herself and our guest today, Jana. Thank you, Joss. Um, I'm Jana McIntosh. I'm Managing Director at UK Finance for all of our work involving payments, innovation, digital tech and cyber, uh, which is an absolute mouthful, um, uh, which is very, very brilliant for this kind of subject matter as well um, around real-time uh, payment systems and in particular the evolution of that into innovation and technology and so forth. Um, I joined from industry uh, where I spend a lot of my time thinking about real-time systems um, uh, from the point of view of uh, a technology provider and a fintech, uh, before that regulators. Um, really pleased to join this um, podcast and I'll let Gregor introduce himself uh, as our guest today. Um, hi, I'm Gregor Dobby, uh, Chief Executive of Vocalink. Um, Vocalink is part of MasterCard, best known for running critical national infrastructure services in the UK, including Faster Payments, which delivers the UK's real-time uh, payment capability. So nice to talk to you today. Thank you both. Okay, so real-time payment systems, also referred to as faster payments, instant payments or immediate payments come in various flavors. Uh, I'm going to go with a basic definition from the World Bank, which says the real-term payments are payments where the transmission of the message, payment message, and the availability of final funds to a payee or beneficiary occur in real time or near real time. So that's typically under 10 seconds. And also as near to 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year as possible. According to recent studies by a study by McKinsey, real-time payments grew by 17% in the UK and an average of 41% globally in 2020 alone. Uh, and according to the World Payments Report by Capgemini, real-time payments accounted for 13.5 billion transactions or thereabouts uh, in 2021, zooming out the same report anticipates that global non-cash cash transactions will grow at a compound annual growth rate of nearly 20% over the next four years. And that growth is being driven by a number of factors, notably increased digitization, which unfortunately has been accelerated by the current pandemic, and that has resulted in declining cash payments. The number of real-time payment systems around the world has quadrupled in the past six years, and their adoption continues at pace. So clearly real-time payments are playing an increasing important role in the global payments ecosystem. So let's start by looking at the environment and some of the key features that characterize uh, real-time payments in comparison to some of the other types of payment systems. Uh, can I start with Gregor? What does a typical real-time payments ecosystem look like? Okay, so I'll probably start with the one that's closest to home, which is uh, the UK. Um, and basically the UK faster payment system allows users to send and receive payments 
24 hours a day, every day, from one bank account to another bank account. That, in its simplest terms, is what it does. Payments can be made through a number of channels. So you could do it online, you can do it increasingly by your, you can do it by your phone, you can do it in a branch, you could do it from a self-service machine. Um, <clears throat> and it's basically a real-time messaging system, which then enables funds to be uh, to be transferred. Um, the, the settlement model is not real-time, real but it is near real-time. So the settlement model uses a pre-funded uh, settlement system and settles through the Bank of England three times a day. Um, but that is kind of, if you like, seamless to the users of the system, so they don't actually see that happening. Um, we we power these types of systems now in about 13 of the top 50 GDP countries in the world uh, through MasterCard. And the model of the fair settlement is quite typical um, because it's really, I guess, seamless to the users. Thank you for that. Um, and Jana, do you want to just talk a bit about what the, the wider ecosystem that's sort of unlocked through real-time payment systems? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. Um, and it is great to kind of hear Gregor talk that through because when you think about an ecosystem and all the different parties that you have within an ecosystem, I think when it comes to real-time payment systems and the way that we describe it and the way that we think about it, we often think about it from the supply side. You know, what's needed? What do we need to have in place? How, how does that kind of like actually uh, end up as a product into the market? Um, I think what we see when it comes to the development of ecosystems these days is that a lot of it is quite consumer-centric. We're a lot more focused these days on adoption, usage, why do people want to use it? You talked about use cases, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I think in terms of the ecosystem involvement, you see a lot more from the demand side these days. You see fintechs want to come and play uh, and the space want to use the capabilities. Um, technology firms um, that want to um, you know, find a way to kind of be part of the value chain and the supply chain um, in a different way. Uh, different businesses want to access it in different ways um, and kind of solve different kind of consumer problems. So I think when it comes when it comes to thinking about that ecosystem, it is quite wide in terms of the parties involved, um, but it is more and more so kind of focusing on what the consumer want. How do we kind of deliver to what consumers want? Um, you know, what attributes need to be in place to kind of fulfill, you know, those consumer needs um, and demands, which I'm sure we will circle back to as well, kind of things that come to mind. Um, and in particular is around, um, you know, consumer protection um, and the way that real-time systems are developing alongside other payment products in the market. Um, so it's a very rich ecosystem. It's an ecosystem that is more and more kind of focused on um, consumer-centric attributes. Um, and it is one that has definitely got a growing demand side. Um, that is one of the kind of, I think, one of the biggest drivers that we do see now. Could you give the listeners a, an example, perhaps, of... Of the use cases? Activities? Yes, no. Um, well, I'll have to kind of list a couple that we kind of have seen recently. I think um, there's one which, you know, if we go back to kind of consumer-centric behaviour, there's um, an instant kind of fulfilment need that consumers have these days. 
you know, we kind of see this not not only in payments and in financial services, you know, consumers expect things to happen nearly immediately um, and they get very impatient if it doesn't. And I think we kind of see that same consumer behavior now kind of entering more kind of forcefully into financial services, which is which is why it is that this is such a kind of focus um, for the industry as a whole, not just domestically, but as Gregor said, kind of internationally as well. Um, so I think that instant fulfillment is kind of one consumer um, consumer driver. When it comes to the other actors that I talked about, the fintechs um, in particular that play in the space, when we see developments around uh, the retail sector, um, you know, in terms of providing alternatives to cards, which you've seen in other jurisdictions, again, kind of quite successfully being implemented, you see the developments around kind of CBDCs, you see the developments around open banking, you know, all of these new business cases, all of these new business models, all of these new kind of payment products coming into the market, all need an incredibly strong, stable, resilient, instant payment method to really kind of deliver on those those demands. Um, and the more we kind of see of it, and it's it's not going away, as you kind of said in the, in the introduction, just going into, you know, an enhanced digital era with, you know, more and more kind of um, digital um ecosystem attributes emerging on a daily basis you know this demand for real-time systems is just not going to go away it's just going to increase together with that digital digital increase absolutely um i was going to ask if there's sort of any key sort of considerations uh around the introduction of uh real-time perhaps some of the uh use cases that it unlocks gregor yeah, so <clears throat> just before we do that, let me add one use case that I think really demonstrates the power of faster payments in the UK. Um, something we're, we at Vocalink are very proud of. So go back to December 2017, right, uh, right before Christmas, and there was a problem with uh, some emergency salary and welfare payments out to vulnerable people. It was about 50,000 people in the UK, and we actually activated a service we run behalf of the the UK government and actually got the money to these 50,000 people. And then um, it was funny, I, I, I sent a message to my team thanking them for all their efforts and said, we'd actually saved Christmas for 50,000 people. And whilst it's a bit, maybe a bit corny, it's actually, it's actually factually correct um, because these people couldn't have celebrated Christmas without access to that money. So that to me really brought home the real benefit, you know, what you, the power of faster payments. We've seen it hugely come home around the world during the pandemic when there's been a lot of vulnerable people uh, needing money quickly. Clearly, they've had not had access to salaries, et cetera, or wages. Um, and our real-time systems in many countries, Thailand being a great example, has been used to disperse government aid in real time. So it can be a very, it, it can be a very powerful system. In terms of considerations, I think the main consideration is that unfortunately in society as fast as we innovate the, the criminal fraternity innovate even faster they have less rules they are spectacularly agile um, <clears throat> and we've seen you know I'll, I'll give you statistics from the UK I think about one in four people have been impacted by some sort of financial fraud that's quite a scary uh, scary number um, the growth in online fraud around the world has been heavily publicized. I think, sadly, during the pandemic, it's accelerated more. So, so fraud is a particular issue. Uh, money laundering through the systems is a particular issue. Just because of the sheer speed 
you, you can move the money from one location to the next. Um, we at Mastercard have delivered uh, quite extensive capability in the space to actually detect um, suspicious use of bank accounts and actually highlight to banks, you know, bank accounts that they should investigate further. But actually, where we're trying to get to is the ability to actually stop payments before they're made, um, and that, you know, that's the kind of where we need to get to in terms of financial crime because it's not a problem that's going away. In actual fact, I'm sure Yana would agree. It's it's the number one problem in most markets using real-time payments today. Yeah, no, I, I would certainly agree with that. Um, because I think that the difficulty that you have with kind of everything happening, happening instantly um, is how do you instantly solve some of these problems as well? That is the difficulty um, while still kind of providing the experience and the benefits of the system whilst managing the risks. And that's certainly kind of like a big focus. And it, ha it has to be because otherwise we're going to fall short of delivering to consumer expectations. Um, the other interesting bit about kind of uh, real-time systems, when you think about that ecosystem question, um, is that for it to be successful, ultimately, it's trying to kind of achieve that end-to-end -end kind of capability uh, across the entire value chain. Um, and when you start doing that and you start implementing real-time systems in the way that you introduced it, just, just, which is basically every day, all day, the whole time, um, you know, that means every day, uh, the whole time, businesses needs to kind of be able to manage this, needs to be able to manage these risks, needs to be able to kind of run the system, this needs to be there for customers when they when they do need support, um, which means that it changes the way that they have to serve their customers. Uh, it changes custom, uh, you know, businesses and, you know, financial services and banks and fintechs business models um, as well. And it can be expensive. Moving on to a real-time system can be quite a big change for quite a lot of organizations and being able to kind of cope with that demand that comes with real-time. Um, and as well as kind of, you know, the flip side of, you know, the benefits of capital and liquidity real-time provides, you know, capital and liquidity is equally expensive um, in terms of running real-time systems. So there are loads of these considerations that you do need to take into account. I should imagine that there are lessons learned from the card world that could be applied and reused in the real-time space as well, Gregor. Yeah, no, uh, most definitely. And I think one of the issues that needs to be addressed as well with real-time payments is that I think consumers who are using the systems have expectation in terms of the protections they're actually getting. And I'm not sure these expectations, some of which are probably driven by from their experience in the card world, but a number of these expectations have not actually been met. So I think consumers have a perception that there's probably more protection in place than, than, than there actually is. And I think there needs to be, I think there needs to be consistency across channel in terms of what types of protections consumers are getting. Mm. That, that's a consideration as well. And you get that's the not same. just a thing for the UK. We see that in, in many markets. Um, and actually, where it come came home to me was when MasterCard they really struggled with the, if you like the lack of protections because of what has been implemented on the card side so it's perfectly doable but I think it needs to be a key area of focus and it is um, it is interesting I was gonna I was gonna add on top of that kind of you know consumer expectation um, you know the, the business world's experience with card payments and in particular the retail world means that you've got that you know ubiquitous international experience you've got that ubiquitous international reach you know a card that was issued 
um, and the US when someone travels over can quite seamlessly be used uh, in the UK. Um, and that is, that's quite a significant kind of feature or attribute from the card world to compete with if you do want to kind of provide um, a similar type of payment method um, on a different rail. And so um, I think, you know, those two experiences in terms of kind of international international ability, but also kind of managing fraud uh, and providing consumer protection from the card world um, are certainly kind of two interesting kind of examples to consider for account to account to develop going forward. Okay, uh, that's, that's really interesting. I was going to ask why these should matter? Why do real-time payments really matter? Perhaps if we can start with businesses and the industry, Yana. Well, I think it really matters because if we can't engage in this digital era with this digital agenda, with the kind of expectations from your customers, you're very, very quickly going to fall short and fall behind. Um, so for businesses, it's absolutely essential. They have to think about what capabilities they need to develop, what systems and technologies they need to leverage um, to kind of, you know, act, behave, transact in this kind of, uh, in this new kind of age we live in. Um, and in particular, you know, you know, the last two years, as Gregor said, um, you know, quite substantially changed the way that we think about engaging, um, you know, in the online world and the digital world. And so for businesses, I mean, it's been a rapid transformation and it will still be a rapid transformation for them to kind of really seamlessly be able to do this. Um, but if they, if they can't develop these capabilities, you know, it's not just, it's not just a domestic agenda, you know, there's a UK competitiveness agenda as well and the way that the UK makes sure that, you know, we can keep serving businesses that want to be in the UK and serve UK customers, whether it is in the UK or internationally, um, how it is that we kind of attract businesses to invest and shareholders to invest in the capabilities and the, um, and the platforms that we do have in the UK. So, I mean, it, it extends kind of quite, quite substantially beyond um, just the here and now and into the future in terms of how it is that, you know, we want to position the UK internationally, how our kind of UK businesses want to position themselves uh, against their competitors internationally um, and so you know for them it's absolutely essential this is this is hugely important you know when we kind of start talking again about cbdc's or coins or you know stable coins and all of the kind of future propositions you know retailers would would somehow expect the uk market uh, to be able to kind of serve that need um, and help them engage so it's it's absolutely crucial and this is the problem with kind of real time as well the moment you realize you need it it's a little bit too late you're really kind of needed it before it is that you even know that you needed it. Um, so you do need to stay on top of these things. Gregor, would you like to sort of enlighten us about consumer, what, why they matter to consumers? I think, it's, uh, I think it's broadly similar to what Diana said. It's about expectation. I think if you look at how we live our lives today, I think, I think you kind of expect everything in real time. So, you know, basics, you know, if you buy a product from Amazon, you expect you expect it almost instantly. If you if you're watching television, you don't actually look at what time the program's scheduled to be on. You just download it when you want to watch it. And I think it's exactly the same with money. I think you know if you look at how people operate their cash flow, I think I think they need instant fulfillment. If you think of the gig economy, which is quite fast emerging. People want paid as soon as they've done done a job. Now, traditionally, often the way they got paid is just to be handed cash at completion. This is now the digit. If we're actually going to digitize properly, digitize the economy, which there are a lot of benefits from, 
um, then you need to be able to offer comparable service. So I think I think it's it's not about what it's whether it matters. I think it's it's entirely expected. It's completely expected. Um, and I think if you launch new financial products now that don't have a real time fulfillment capability, I think ultimately they'll fail because the expectations being being built. I mean we're we're now seeing increases in uh, salaries beyond the gig economy now being paid through faster payments just because um, people are demanding their money faster. So I don't, I don't think it's whether it matters. I think it's about expectation. And I think once you move a service onto real time, you're never going back. There's no way to go back. Yeah, yeah there is that kind of a... There's that trust, um, which is quite essential to all of this. You know, consumers are uh, and businesses are looking for certainty in a very uncertain world. Um, and I think, you know, that, that the instant kind of payment methods can help provide that certainty. Um, it can certainly kind of help provide the trust um, people should have in, in using the systems and feeling confident um, that they understand how it works and how they are protected and how they should engage um, kind of in, in this kind of um, digital world we live in. So um, I think Gregor is right. We need to kind of, we need to have this ecosystem kind of working together and kind of moving in the right way to ensure that we don't lose that trust. Because then circling back to the, to the ecosystem point and this being consumer centric, we will build all of this and no one will come because people will not trust that they will use it. And I think that will be an absolute failure. Thank you. So if we're not going back uh, from instant, what about going forwards? What next for real time? What are some of the key themes? Um, if I can, I'm going to ask Gregor first. Certainly. Yeah, so I think what next, I'd probably split into, there's a there's hygiene element to this, if you like, in that, you know, we talked earlier about consumer expectations in terms of protections, et cetera. I think that we see that in a number of markets as there's a financial crime problem as well, which is a global problem. And I think there's going to be a lot of effort around these topics to, to sort of offer additional protection to the systems. I think in terms of functionality, the next big area for me is around cross-border real-time payments. So, I believe that expectations of users of payment systems now is that they can um, move money instantly anywhere in the world. Uh, the only difference between an international payment and a domestic payment is that you've got an FX rate in the middle. I think that's where that's where the expectation will go to. People in, are seeing more and more instant fulfilment irrespective of what country they're in. There's now real-time payment capability in... I think it's about 60 markets, 60 countries around the world, and at least two-thirds of them are running ISO 20022 systems. So there is a, a potential for that kind of standardization to then allow more seamless, frictionless cross-border transactions. And I think the other thing what next for real-time payments is probably around the use of data. So with, as I've said, at least two-thirds of these systems being ISO 20022, I think there'll be more and more use cases around using the data associated with the payments in real time. So whether that be you know, uh, more automation and bill payment 
for example, using data invoice reconciliation, et cetera, et cetera. I think there's a lot of a lot more opportunities and potential for new use cases based on the type of data that comes with a real-time payment using ISO 20022. That would be my uh, my look into the future, as it were. Brilliant. And Yana, can I turn to you? What what are uh, some of the key themes? Well, I couldn't I couldn't have said any better. I can just agree with what what Gregor has said. Um, because I think you picked up on the on the two key themes, um, which is an extension of what we talked about. This demand for kind of instant payments and cross-border um, uh, cross-border payments is going going to converge. Consumers are increasingly going to expect um, that instant fulfillment uh, to be uh, a ubiquitous international experience. Um, uh, and I also would want to know uh, more information that kind of gets transmitted with that payment. So I think data, cross-border, interoperability, um, absolutely key themes, um, if it is that we are going to kind of get this right um, in terms of the customer experience. Um, and then we will kind of, if you, if you do think about the future and you try and kind of use a crystal ball and think about all the fantastic things that would then emerge on top of it, um, that is really where, where kind of, you know, shareholders, um, fintechs, uh, businesses become really excited and people kind of use the capabilities to do fantastic, innovative new things, um, you know, that we can't sometimes even possibly predict or, or work through. Um, but the, the absolute importance of that infrastructure that will enable all of this in a seamless, uh, confident, secure, um, you know, intelligent way, you know, if we have that, then I think within the future, there will be so many um, innovations and consumer benefits that we've not even thought about yet. Brilliant. Thank you both. Um, so I think that'd be a good place to wrap it up. Uh, and if I could, I would summarize as follows. Um, so clearly real-time systems offer a variety of uh, services and features. Um, the core themselves can provide instantaneous gratification, which is becoming uh, a given more for business and consumers. Instant is now increasingly table stakes. Um, it's essential that we have the right safeguards in place, and provided those are in place to manage the risk of, of fraud, uh, then these services can act as a catalyst for further innovation. Uh, and furthermore, they can ultimately offer greater financial inclusion. So uh, if I may, uh, Jana, where can listeners find out more about you? Well, I think it's, uh, I think it's fairly easy to kind of find us, um, you know, at UK Finance. Um, we do work across this agenda. Um, there's uh, fantastic work we're doing on the innovation side on CBDCs and open banking. There's work that we're doing uh, on payment systems and renewal of infrastructure um, uh, in the UK and internationally. So fairly easy to find UK Finance as an organisation um, and always available to people uh, to reach out if they want to have further conversations. Very cool. Yeah, so I think same as Jana, I think MasterCard is fairly easy to find. Um, we work across about 158 countries I looked at the other day. Um, if any, you know, if people want to discuss any of the topics further, please feel free just to drop me a line. It's just gregor.dobby at mastercard.com and I will uh, direct the inquiry. 
Brilliant. Instant service. In real time. In real time. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and finally, if you want to get in touch with me, Joss Wilbram, you can do so via uh, form3.tech uh, uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much. Thank you.